All that stuff on BCTV is supported by the Renaissance Auction Group. Hello, friends, and welcome to the December 2018 episode of All That Stuff, the very last episode of the year. We'll be finishing up our fourth season, and for this episode, I've bought you what I think, or I have set the table. I'm actually not going to be bringing to you. I'm just going to be supervising. I'm going to be like the waiter at the table in this case, and I'm going to be overseeing what I think is an exceptional show that uh, mirrors and exemplifies what I think is at the heart of the holiday season. Uh, we're celebrating now the sixth night of Hanukkah. Uh, we will be celebrating the, uh, the winter solstice on December 21st. I'm sure some of our, uh, some of our um, Wiccan and Pagan friends will be celebrating Saturnalia, and of course some will be celebrating Kwanzaa, and some will be celebrating Christmas. But if you know anything about the history of mankind and the history of civilization, you know that deep down at the heart of the vast majority of celebrations that we have this time of year, and almost every Western culture has a celebration at this time of the year, no matter what it's based on. Deep down at the heart of it are the concepts of compassion and empathy and uh, love for your fellow citizens and love for mankind. And that's why when this opportunity presented itself, and it was fortuitous because it coincided with another specific event that has to do with our topic today, I thought, there couldn't be a better Christmas message than we're going to send today. So let's go to the slides real quick. And we're going to be talking with our guests. And we're going to be talking about Across America for Wounded Heroes, Changing Lives One Mile at a Time. Interesting title, isn't it? Very evocative. I am your producer and host. I'm Bill House. I'm an auctioneer and personal property appraiser and also the producer and host of Auction Action on BCTV. And my special guests today are C. Ivan Stolfus. He is a farmer. I see him referred to as a retired farmer, but as someone who has operated and managed a family farm that my family's owned for 68 years. I know that once you're a farmer, you're always a farmer because uh, the land kind of takes hold of you. He's also an auctioneer. And as I say about auctioneers, once you're an auctioneer, you're always an auctioneer. And old auctioneers never die. No, I'm sorry. Old auctioneers never retire. They just call away and die. And C. Ivan Stolfus is also, and I took the liberty here, and you know, I like to be precise with my words, so I actually went and looked up the word to make sure I wasn't overstating. I also had him listed as a crusader. And when I looked up the definition of crusader, someone who campaigns vigorously for political, social, or religious change. And then I knew that I was correct, that he was a crusader. If we could go back to that slide for just a second, We'll introduce our second guest, who is Carol Quaintance. And Carol is a Berks County lady. She is a journalist and a writer. Uh, she has also been a professional businesswoman, a business professional, and she has worked in various publications, in various jobs, in various publications around the area. Okay, I think that takes care of our uh, slides for now. 
And I had the pleasure of meeting both of these individuals, not together but separately, at around the same time. I've probably known Carol just a little bit longer than I've known Ivan. Uh, and when I found out the two of them were working together, I thought, well, from what I know about both of them, that seemed very appropriate because they have very similar approaches to life and they have a, uh, a sense of earnestness and sincerity that I can understand how they make such a great team. So we're gonna go one, back to one more slide now, real quick. And this is the logo for Changing Lives One Mile at a Time and the project is called Across America for Wounded Heroes. And you can go to HelpAmericanHeroes.com. I'm going to give you that later. But you can go to HelpAmericanHeroes.com uh, to learn more about this project and also to learn how you can support the project. But right now, we're going to tell you a little bit about the wellsprings of the project, how it began, uh, and uh, how it matured and where it went to. Ivan, since you were a young man, you had a dream. Yes. Can you, uh, can you inform our viewers of what that dream was? Well, uh, when my father was young, he'd be 101 or 4 if he'd be living right now. He went across America. Uh, he was 26 years old. He worked his way. He was gone for a whole year, and he's worked his way the whole way around America. And as I was growing up, I was so intrigued by his stories, going across the Mississippi in a swinging bridge and muddy roads, going across uh, Nebraska. and he started farming with a two-cylinder tractor, and I start dreaming about this. I used to love to hear his stories about his adventure, and I start dreaming, I think, someday I want to go across America in a two-cylinder tractor, but I want to do it for some cause. Okay, and that was, I believe your father traveled across America in 1937, was it? Uh, 36 and 37, correct. Okay, mm -hmm. and if I did my math right, he was born in 1914? Uh, 15. He was yep. born in 1915, mm -hmm. okay. Well, my father was born in 1911. He would have been 107 this year on uh, okay. October 29th. When your father was traveling across the United States, was uh, in part of the grips of the Depression? Uh, yeah, it wasn't that far uh, from that, but uh, he just worked from farm to farm. He, he would go on the farm and say, "What? I need a job. And they'd, he'd end up uh, working in the barn, cutting wood. Every his, I found his diary, and he continually talked about, well, cutting wood all day today. And mm -hmm. that's the type of jobs he got. And that was at a time that, once again, America was on the move because <coughs> of many people. People were moving out of the Midwest to California. Uh, correct. Across yes. the desert yep. sands they roll, got to get out of the yep. old Dust Bowl, is what he yep. got through said. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it was still possible then, you know, to kind of hop from place to place to place. Mm -hmm. I just finished reading the, a biography mm -hmm. of uh, Jack London that was written by Irving Stone at a very early age. He wrote it in 1933 mm -hmm. when he was a young writer, and he revised it in 1977. And Jack London, the writer in the 1890s when the United States was also in the grips of an, a deep recession, mm -hmm. almost a depression, he, uh, he tramped all the way across America from Oakland to Washington as part of Cox's Army, which was one of the first marches on Washington by unemployed people who were going to Washington. So there, there's, a, there's a long saga. There's a long saga. Uh, John Steinbeck's Grapes of Wrath, uh, Zen in the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, Jack Kerouac's On the Road. There's a long American saga of taking that great trip 
across the country. Mm -hmm. So once you came of age, you had this dream, you've had this dream for a long time, and uh, you became involved in several careers. I mentioned uh, uh, two of them. Mm -hmm. Tell us just a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I, I farmed for a number of years uh, before I became a real estate broker and an auctioneer, but uh, I'll, I'll share a little bit. Uh, I farmed and my father would help me. Uh, we'd be out in the fields all day long, but we had this thing at nine o'clock, we took a coffee break, and he'd be out ahead of me, I'd be planting corn, he'd be working the ground, and I'd see his hand go up with this cup, and I knew what he meant, it's time for coffee break. <laughs> he didn't want to miss that. And that's kind of where it all started. I'll never forget to this day, we're sitting right on the ground, uh, on the front of the tractor tire, beside the tractor tire, drinking our coffee, and he looked at me one time, he said, Ivan, if you have a dream, don't wait till you're too old and physically can't do it. Just do it. I wish I would have done more. That stuck with me for years and I kind of put it back. And after he passed, uh, I started thinking about this. And as I was getting to retirement age, and I, I finally just decided one time, you know, it, well, it, it kept. I couldn't, it got to a point where I couldn't even sleep at night, and just, I still kept pushing it back for a couple years, and it wasn't until one night I prayed about it. I said, good Lord, if this is what I'm to do, May the 1st, I'm going. And it was just like a burden was lifted off of my shoulder when I made, it, made that decision. Okay, that's very interesting. So I'm going to step back just a little bit. How long have you been an auctioneer? Uh, since uh, 1999. Since 1999. Mm -hmm. And uh, what, what, uh, what called you to that profession? Well, my father used to take me to auctions, and mm -hmm. I, I love auctions, and I would just, I, I used to be out plowing all day, practicing auctioneering, and, and I was <laughs> glad nobody could hear me, but I, I just loved, I'd I, I do that all day long while I'd be out on the tractor. And I wanted to be an auctioneer. I, I looked up, I had a, a good friend of mine, Alvin Horning, uh, in, in Morgantown, was an auctioneer, and I used to love to mm -hmm. hear him. And that's kind of uh, in, installed in my heart that that's what I want to do someday. Okay, well, and you have become a uh, well-known and well-respected auctioneer. That's how I met you. Uh, you know, you, you had this dream. Uh, the dream was to travel across the United States. Mm -hmm. The dream, oddly enough, was to travel across the United States on a two-cylinder John Deere tractor. John Deere tractor. Right, and that was because your father had used that type of tractor or yes, used a John no, Deere? Yes, a two-cylinder tractor is what he used. Yep, and that's what I wanted to use. And uh, you well, know, What was it about that? I, mean, I, I, I love to hear the sound. I love to hear the sound. I'd be working the ground. I'd be going up, up the field. I'd put the brakes on so it would work hard, so it put a lot louder. And I started thinking, <laughs> someday I'm going to up through the Rockies. I want to go across the mountains, but I want to do some cause. And I start searching for some cause. Okay, well that's a great segue. So you know, as as your dream evolved and matured, uh, you had this dream. Uh, you were a farmer. You, I'm sure you were raising a family, taking care of a family. You had all those responsibilities. You became an auctioneer. And finally, you got to the point where you said you remembered your father's advice from that day, and you said, it's time to go. At that point, the dream had, had gotten a little bit bigger, and it involved other elements. Can you explain that to us? Yeah, I, I started thinking about that, and I started thinking... Um, you know, the people were coming back, the veterans were coming back from the war, and I, was, I had a couple friends and I started seeing them trying to adjust back into life and struggling to, back, to get back into civil life. And, and that's when it started working on me and thinking that, you know what, somehow I need to do my part in helping them. And so you, be, you decided that you were going to combine this lifelong dream. Right. This dream of, uh, of traveling across the United States uh -huh. on a two-cylinder tractor with 
a desire to bring awareness and raise funds yeah. for... And, you, and um, you know, I, I was never in the military. Mm -hmm. um, I was raised on the farm. I had a physical condition, but I want to, I want to give back somehow. So I went to alternate service in Sarasota Memorial Hospital, and I went down there and I worked with a, an older gentleman, Frank, and he had a son that was in Vietnam. And uh, he would, used to sh share his letters with me uh, that his son wrote back. And one day I went in and Frank wasn't there. And they informed me that his son was killed in Vietnam. And I had such a guilt feeling or feeling that I need to help somehow. I need to do my part. Someday I want to go across America with a two-cylinder tractor bringing awareness for those that were willing to go and fight for my freedom. Um, I, and I, I, I started thinking, you know, I see America as one big family. Family members help each other. We need to do our part. I'm going to do my part in a, in a small way and uh, see if I can bring more awareness to those that are, were willing to go to fight for my freedom. Okay, you mentioned the term alternative service. Mm -hmm. uh, explain that. It's all, they have an alternative service for people that have convictions as far as going to war. Um, I'm not sure where I was at that point, but um, I went to alternate service. I, I couldn't, uh, had a farm deferred, but I decided to go uh, to work in the hospital. You could work in the hospital uh, for two years, and that brought, I think I met so many people and, and learned more about the Vietnam War and the veterans that were willing to go that it really helped me. And that actually, in, in listening to you describe it, that actually planted the seed for the second part of your, of your uh, mission. Yes. Not just going across the country, yeah. but doing so yeah. in the name of yeah. raising and awareness. Awareness for them and doing fundraising for those. And, and the first responders, uh, policemen, the firemen, the same, same way. Okay. Yeah. So there was an element of, uh, of pacifism in your religion? Uh, yes. My parents, I was raised Amish. Okay. And uh, they left when I was like six or seven. And of course, they were really strong as pacifists. Um, I struggled during that time, during the Vietnam War, uh, how I can give back, and that's how I decided to, to volunteer to go into working in the hospital. Mm -hmm. well, and, and I'm not sure, you know, uh, if I could pick up a gun and go to war, not, I, I, I'm not sure if I could, if I would get to that point. But somehow, I feel like if, you're, if you don't go and volunteer, you need to do your part uh, in helping those that are willing to go over and fight for our freedom. Well, you know, I have a theory that I expound, mm -hmm. and those of you who know me know that I tend to expound on my theories. Uh, heroes come, not all heroes wear uniforms, and I know that to be a fact. Mm -hmm. You know, I know there are heroes that are, that are in the medical field, and I know there are heroes that are in the sciences, and I know there are he heroes in government, and uh, I think in the end, when this story is completed today, you'll see that C. Ivan Stolfus is a hero as well. He's, he's the kind of person who probably would slough that mantle off. But heroes come in all shapes and all sizes, and they wear all kinds of clothes. I would have loved to go on into like the Peace Corps or something like that, mm -hmm. but I knew my parents wouldn't have been in favor of that. And that's one reason I decided I'm going to go to alternate service and, and do my part. My, my oldest brother and sister-in-law were in the Peace Corps, and I, when you were talking, it brought back uh, mm -hmm. something that I always found interesting. One time I participated in an auction of the uh, Taylor Hotel in Cookville, Tennessee, and it was on the steps of the Taylor Hotel that Alvin York rode a mule 14 miles from his home mm -hmm. on the steps of the Taylor Hotel to accept his Medal of Honor. Wow. Alvin York was a pacifist.
Uh, he was, uh, that's one of the great ironies of American history. Mm -hmm. Alvin York, the Medal of Honor winner, was a pacifist and he struggled mightily, just as Ivan did in his younger days, uh, in making his decision about going to war. So your dream matured and you persevered and your life changed and you finally got to the point where you felt you could do it and then you truly uh, felt like there was a calling. I, I felt there was a calling. In fact, I went to the, the Waterloo Boys at Southeastern Two-Cylinder Club. Steve Kozer, uh, he's kind of head of the mechanics there. I went to him I, and I told him, he's been after me while I was farming for years. He said, Ivan, when are you going to do this? I kept saying, someday I'm going to cross America. And I went in there one day. I said, Steve, the day is the day. I made my commitment. I'm going. And uh, he was so excited, but I said, I need a, a tractor. I, I'm looking for a John Deere A. He said, well, I'm going to bring it before uh, the board uh, at the Waterloo, uh, before the members at the Waterloo uh, meeting Monday night, and I'll get back with you. And I'll see if, they're, if they'll back you and help you. So he went to the meeting, and he came back the next day. He came back and called me. He said, well, we had our meeting last night, then we had a vote, and it was 99% no. No, he said, I'm just joking. He said, it's 100% yes, and they're so excited. And he, one of the members has a tractor. He'll sell you. And we committed as members. We we're going to do all the me uh, mechanical work for that tractor. And I was, I was so excited. So I talked to my son-in-law, uh, Earl Martin, uh, incorporate trucking in East Earl and he said well we need to put something on there for inclement weather I'm thinking now he'll put a blue tarp on the frame on one day he comes back well I found a cab on eBay and he just the frame of the cab and they redid that cab and did a wonderful job Ron Burkholder that works for him they him they'd stay up m middle of the night trying to figure out the next move to do on that cab and it was a Peterbilt it was yeah, a Peterbilt right. and Lancaster Peterbilt donated two bucket air, air seats in there and uh, so the mission was started and I had a, a I had a team that helped me they're all volunteers and they had full-time day jobs and they would stay up late at night just to help me plan my trip. That was the fir first trip in 014. We backed into uh, uh, Madison, New Jersey in the Atlantic uh, Ocean and we ended up in uh, at Crescent City, California in the Pacific Ocean. Okay, right there where the Redwoods are. Let's go to the slides for just a second if we could, please. All right, so this is John before Jonabilt was yep. built. Mm -hmm. And there's our crusader hero sitting on the seat of uh, John, known, uh, who later became known as John Abilt once the, uh, once the Peterbilt cab was attached to the front. Now, who's that with you there? Uh, that's one of our good friend auctioneers uh, down, I think, in South Carolina. Uh, his name is uh, Solomon, I think, Doug. Uh, okay, I figured that was an option here. We're going yep. to show you some pictures now. Yeah, and Johnny Bilt got his name by, it's a John Deere and a Peterbilt cab. That's how Johnny mm -hmm. Bilt came, came to uh, life. And you pronounce it not John Bilt, but Johnny Bilt? Uh, either way. John okay, Bilt. all right, so like I say, this picture right here was when it was just John before Johnna mm -hmm. was built. And this huh. is Johnna Bilt right here. And here we have, you, you neglected to tell us how you got the uh, travel trail, the RV. Yes, I did, and uh, sorry I did that. St uh, Stoltz's RV, 
in Westchester, my cousin Earl Stalsus, he heard I was going across and I was looking for an older used camper and he said, no, we want you to be comfortable and he donated a brand new 013 camper, uh, 24 foot, and he put a satellite receiver in the top and my uh, son-in-law, they put a, a rack in the back for a scooter, which we call Smalley, it's bright, bright uh, yellow, a tire rack underneath, we have a generator up front, uh, but my Stoltz's RV donated that camper uh, for me to go across uh, America. Okay, now I thought this was interesting too. Now this is the inside, I guess, mm -hmm. of Johnnyville. Yep. Now that doesn't exactly look like the control board of a 1948 uh, John Deere. So tell us about that. That, cat, that, cat, that dash was all custom made. Uh, it just looks like it came from the factory. And we have quite a few uh, veterans. Uh, parents along the way would give a picture of their veteran that, that was seized in the, in the war and that went the whole way across there. You might not be able to see it here, but there's a, there's a purple heart hanging over there. Uh, I'm I can't see the purple heart, but I can, I can see this photo right here. It looked like, when I looked at it closer, and maybe mm -hmm. you can see it, it looked like a paraplegic veteran, maybe? Uh, uh, yes, that was, he's from New Jersey. Uh, okay. His parents gave me that. He was very depressed until, it, now he, he's still living. And he heard about my trip and started following me. They just thanked us because it, it kind of cheered him up. It gave him something to follow. There was a GPS tracking device on that tractor. You, I could go down the road and you could follow me going down the road. And, uh, um, and a lot of people were enjoying doing that and he was one of Okay, them. so tell us quickly about the Purple Heart. I know it's a very important yeah. story here. I'm going around Pittsburgh and my daughter was doing administration, Tina Martin, and a lot, she would be getting a lot of calls, and she wasn't sure she had to kind of weigh them, uh, the calls that were legit. And she called me, I was on the road, and she said, uh, Dad, you really need to stop. Uh, there's a gentleman uh, named Jeremy Jackson. I'm going around Pittsburgh, Delmount, Pennsylvania, and him and his wife and two little boys were out along the road, and they flagged me down. And I pulled over, and he was uh, a veteran from, uh, he was a sharpshooter in the Iraq war, and he was on patrol, and he got hit through his left hand, and he lodged in his M16. He had about 16 surgeries, partially paralyzed in his left hand, and he just thanked us for what we're doing and uh, bringing awareness. He said, I have a gift for you. He hands me this little box. I open it up, and it was his purple heart. I said, Jeremy, I can't take that. You earned that. With tears in his eyes, he said, please take this with you. That Purple Heart went with me both trips, 12,400 miles. That brought so much awareness among the news media and folks that follow along, along the way. Uh, he's a real genuine veteran, patriot, and he's, we, we became friends, we're still involved, and he wants me to take along this next trip also. All right, let's go back to that slide for just a second, if we could. Mm -hmm. So what, is, what are all these controls doing here? What are they doing? I mean, yeah, I don't, you yeah. don't have to go through every one, but how come there's so many controls? What are they well, doing? there's one, uh, there's a, a blower uh, for a heater. Mm -hmm. um, there's one for, I have, there's two uh, stacks out front. One is straight pipe, pipe, and the other one has a muffler in. There's a little valve. I can hit, there's a little air cylinder, hit the front and go either straight pipe or muffler. And there's, uh, let me see, uh, air pressure. I don't, I'm trying to think what some of the others are. Um, but all of those are working valves. They, oh, they my didn't goodness, just yeah. have, okay. No, no, no. Okay. Everyone right, has so, a purpose. They have a little name tag on it, what each one of them is. So even though you're going an average of, say, 14 miles an hour, this almost looks like the cockpit of an airplane. So as you're, as you're mm -hmm. traveling across America at the speed of a 1948 John Deere, mm -hmm. uh, you're, you're, uh, you're looking at the view. You're lost in your thoughts, I'm sure, because you have plenty of time to think about what you're doing, yeah. what you're doing with your life, what your mm -hmm. mission is, where you're going. And you're 
you also uh, have all of these dials to tell you what's going on. Let's talk a little bit about the specifics. Okay, so we have a 1948 Model A mm -hmm. uh, John Deere. It has 38 horsepower, right? 38 horsepower, correct. Okay. Now you're, um, and then I, th I found this interesting too. Uh, your your rig, from what I can gather, totally loaded up uh, mm -hmm. is six tons. Six ton, twelve thousand. I was coming down through Dixon, Illinois. There was a truck stop there, and I pulled in and uh, I asked him if I could weigh it, and it was fifty pounds short of 12,000 pounds. And I was glad I didn't know that when I was going through the Rockies. I was on the way home, the flat yeah. area, because... By the way, I was going to ask you another thing. You know, you're, uh, well, we'll get to that just yeah. a little bit later. I don't want to get ahead of the, ahead of the story yeah. here. So, you know, I'm, uh, I'm thinking to myself also uh, about being true to your dream. Now, what if you're a farmer at all, you know there's all kinds of tractors out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, Ivan could be going across the United States in a tractor with air conditioning, uh, with, uh, a, uh, with a television screen, mm -hmm. with radio, mm -hmm. uh, with all the uh, comforts of the uh, 2010s and 18s and 20s. But he chose instead to follow his dream and take a 1948 John Deere across the country. Uh, now, let me ask you another question. How have these four years uh, impacted your life, in your own words? It changed my life completely. And I just made me appreciate so much more for our veterans and our first responders. Uh, I met so many along the road. Uh, along, and some drove, I remember the one in uh, Iowa, drove four hours just come up and, and thank me. We sat by, out at the picnic table for an hour with tears in his eyes. He says, it's not so much the monetary, it's that somebody's able to be out there and to bring awareness and that we know that they care. He drove four hours back home that night again. And it just one time after the other. I was going up through Florida in the Panhandle, up through Florida in the Panhandle. I pulled in the gas station and this gentleman was there. Uh, I was getting tired. It was getting late in the day. I was ready to get into a, a campground. I filled up with gas and I was ready to leave. I see this gentleman over there. It was a long coat, long hair uh, on and dirty and he looked homeless. He came over with a real grump voice, what's this all about? And I tried to explain to him, I thought, oh, just leave me get to the campground. I tried to start talking to him. He went over and grabbed hold of a POW flag and started crying and said, I lost so many friends in Vietnam. Thank you. I hugged him and I, I spent quite a bit of time with him after that. That happened, another gas station I went in, gentleman was there wag waving his hands up and down, jumping up and down as I come in. And he said, I just lost my daughter in Afghanistan last week. Thank you. That's what kept me going, just one after the other. And you know, there's times where I thought, you know, I wish the monetary end of it would be a little stronger, come in, but then I realized just being, making, bringing an awareness out there. You know, old Johnny built, the old John Deere, it was unique going down the road. It was weird looking things. I had truckers just, you know, about running off the road and see me coming down the through. But when people come up behind me, they couldn't see the tractor. Um, or if they come towards me, they see the tractor. It brought attention to the tractor. The tra I mean, I'm saying, I'm saying the tractor brought the attention, but then the camper was like the billboard <laughs> yeah. and the website. So many times at nighttime, they would be uh, giving funds to, to the cause th through our webpage because they saw it on the camper. 
uh, going across Nebraska, there was, uh, I call it a little crotch rocket. He came up behind me and he couldn't see the, the tractor and he put the thing up in one wheel and he's passing me. He got up to Johnny Bill and he did a double take. He went down <laughs> over the ditch and he just got straightened out in time to get back up on the road again. But Johnny Bill brings attention. Okay, well, you know, I think this is a good time to say too. Uh, this is a project that has touched people all over the country. And I think in many ways, probably all over the world, those who have heard about it outside of our country. Uh, and it started right here with one of our citizens, one of our fellow citizens, right here in our region. Uh, Ivan is a, a Lancaster County native, but he is part of the culture of Southeast Pennsylvania and the culture that we promote so heavily here on Burt's Community Television. So I want to remind you, and you're going to get an opportunity here with a, a couple slides from now, I'm going to give you all the information again. I want to remind you that this is a project that needs support and needs support to keep the project itself going. It needs support because the, the ultimate point of the project is not to raise funds for the project, it's to raise funds for the mission. And it deserves your support. And so I hope in this season of giving that you will take a little time and think how you might contribute to this project that uh, C. Ivan Stolfus has been shepherding for the last four years. So, you know, I have a theory, Ivan. Uh, well, I don't have a theory. I have a knowledge. It's a personal knowledge. I have a dream, too, and I've, uh, it's a dream delayed. And lately, particularly since I moved to Pennsylvania and started my own auction company instead of working for other auction companies, that auctions have almost in a way gotten in the way of that dream sometimes but you know I tell people auctions are like yeah a mistress and I, I'm projecting here because actually I've never had a mistress so auctions are like what I've read about a mistress in the books uh, you know uh, you should walk away but it's difficult to walk away from them you know they get they get in your blood so have you missed the time away from auctions and and I know that maybe yes. you've been able go ahead I, I, I do a few in the winter time and uh, I help an auction company up here but yes I, I do miss it and uh, but the nice thing about uh, our auction fellow auctioneers across the United States different ones had offered to hold some auctions as I was coming through which was a very delight and just meeting a lot of the auctioneers and that's a great segue because in truth our the members of our auction profession have assisted you in raising funds and raising so. awareness of the program. Very much so. And, you know, when people give or help, I would say the value of life, I like this quote, the value of life is measured by the lives it touches. Hero is someone who has given his or her life to something bigger than oneself. And today, there is a need out there. There's 22 suicides a day. There's 75 that tried that weren't successful. 25 suicides a day. And... You know, if we're free, some might pay the price. And I say, when we are united under God and helping our fellow American planning that seed of hope, only then can we be free ourselves. And that brings into play what I say about heroes come in all shapes, all sizes, and they wear all kinds of clothes. I'd like to go to the slides now for just a second, if we could. And we're going to segue into, perfectly, as always, uh, Ivan's uh, segueing in for me. Can we go to the slides? All right, so there you are getting ready to leave from New Jersey in April, I believe it was, of 2014? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, on your first trip across the country. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to take a look 
there we have uh, our friend, uh, your friend, and my friend, Myers Jackson. The one day I spent with Myers in person, just he and I, he was passing through. He gave me a call. He stopped in. We had breakfast, and I took him down to your home county of yep, Lancaster he, County. He still talks about that. Drove yeah, him he, around yep, so he, he could take he, pictures. He that. So there's Myers at the top left. There's you on the right. And who's with you there, Evan? That is uh, the code, one of the code talkers. I went through to uh, Fort Myers there, at, uh, yeah, Fort Worth, Texas, and uh, Myers took me in a steakhouse. And he said to me, he poked me, he said, Ivan, there's a code talker. And I, I didn't know, I wasn't sure what he was talking about at first. And, uh, and of course, he introduced me to him, and uh, he was, uh, I think it was 94, something like that. He, he passed away now, but he was only a few that are left. And so we're talking about the Navajo, the Navajo Code Talkers yes. who played such a great role in uh, keeping uh, World War II. Um, military transmissions mm -hmm. secret during World War II. Mm -hmm. Okay, who are these folks? These are guys that escorted me. Uh, Paul Marson is there, and I forget the other two names, but they escorted me from the farm uh, up 340, about 15 miles uh, with the police. Uh, they were, and also when I came back. Okay, and that was on your first trip? Yes, and okay. the second. Okay. They did both trips. All right, we're at an auction. Tell us a little bit about this one. Uh, this was great. This was down to Eli Detwiler, which you know, it does, yes. uh, mm -hmm. a world-known auctioneer and, uh, in Greensburg, uh, North Carolina. He contacted me when I was coming down through. He took me out for a steak dinner. He came over to the campground. He said, Ivan, he said, uh, I'm going to see what I can do. You need to come over to the classic car. I went out of my way about 60 miles or so, and I was there about, I think I was there three days. And they had 500 cars to sell. And uh, Eli, bless his heart, I was just enjoying, uh, even if it would have been just there to watch him, it was, I mean, you had to put your seatbelt on when he got up on that uh, block. But it was great, and he said, well, the owner said that at 12.30, we're gonna shut down and, and give you a few minutes uh, just to, to sell a little package. I had a couple of books and the t-shirts, and see what we can do for a little bit of a fundraising. So we did, and of course we had all these world auctioneers and, uh, Bid spotters there, and I mean, they made me look good. Uh, of course, the last minute he asked, the owner asked me if I would do the sale, but we brought in 15, over $15,000 and within like two, three minutes there. Okay. Everybody was so helpful and willing to help. It was Another great auction. example of how the auctioneers, our fellow auctioneers, our professional colleagues and mm -hmm. the profession have assisted you. So we had Myers Jackson, we have Eli Detweiler. Yeah. Uh, who do we have here? I know these are, I don't I suspect these are auctioneers. Uh, no, they're, they're friends from Elverson, that's uh, uh, Jenny Bale, and I'm not quite sure who the others are. They were, when we, I was over at the Zerbe Sisters, and friends that came to say hi to me. Okay, so one of the reasons we're running through these slides is because part of what's made Ivan's journey, his mission, the actualization of his dream so important to him is all the people that he's met. Mm -hmm. Okay, what do we have here? Okay, this was down in, uh, down in uh, uh, southern South Carolina, uh, is a Mannheim auction where Eli also worked. He said, now when you get down south, you need to stop in there, and then we have another fundraising there. And Eli just did a great job. Eli Detwater there holding up the t-shirts and had, had me selling them. It was wonderful, and I stayed there overnight, and it was a car auction there, the Mannheim uh, car auction. Okay. And there's Eli. Uh, he came to see me at the campground, Eli Detwiler. All right. There's Spanky and Amy. We mm -hmm. come to Amarillo, and they were so kind. They took me to their home, and they fed me real well. And, uh, and we have another picture uh, where uh, we were there at the steakhouse, and uh, I stayed at their place overnight uh, one evening for, for dinner. And the next day, they came and got me again and let me use their truck. Took me down to uh, uh, 
tour down through the canyon, which was great, uh, Spanky and I. And uh, then the next day, I don't know if you have that slide or not, but yeah, he, put, have that uh, he put the NAA Emlyn on my uh, uh, side of my camper. Okay, so that's Spanky Assiter on the left, his mm -hmm. wife Amy Assiter on the right, yes. Ivan in the middle. I could have gotten a closer picture of the three of you, but one, I wanted to get the, uh, I wanted to get John Abelt and the RV in, but I particularly wanted to get that white face steer in there, that large oh, white yeah. face yeah. steer <laughs> yeah. at the, uh, at the mm -hmm. uh, steakhouse that you were at. That's Texas-sized steak yeah. for sure. All right, so uh, we're almost there. Uh, let me ask you one other thing here, and then we're going to switch gears. Uh, any advice you might offer others, including me, who have yet to realize an unrealized dream? Oh, just, you know, I, I say seek your dream. I, I just realize, you know, life is too short. And, you know, we, we get so busy hung up in our everyday life that we just keep pushing things away. And I think that's what my father was saying. He said, now he wishes he could do more, but he can't. If you have a dream, follow your dream. Don't give up. Right, never lose sight of the forest for the trees. Let's go back to that slide real quick, the last slide we won, if we can, please. All right, so now, speaking of never giving up and never losing sight of your dream, there was one time in 2014, then you went back across the country in 2016. We haven't talked that much about that, right. but you made a little a loop then instead of just going straight across. Tell us quickly about that. Okay, I went from Honeybrook down to Sarasota, Florida, and I put it inside. Uh, it took me 30 days to go down there. Then I, uh, February 19th, I uh, launched off of Sarasota, Florida. I went the southern route to Mavis Lake, California, up the state of Washington, uh, Idaho, and Montana, and down through the Dakotas and Illinois, and back into to Pennsylvania. On the way, I stopped in Operation Second Chance. I had heard about them in Florida, and I was really uh, loved their organization. They have a very good organization. They were more or less doing the same thing as I was for PTSD programs, helping our veterans, first responders. And uh, so I stopped in there at Main Office in Germantown, Maryland, got to meet them. Cindy McGrew is a wonderful uh, uh, CEO there of the organization. They're doing a great job. This is the fourth year they have a, uh, uh, a four-star charity navigator uh, on their organization, their 501c3. Well, um, I was just thinking there, you started in Sarasota, you went out to the West Coast, you, you went up the West mm -hmm. Coast, you came back across Pennsylvania. So with a little bit of florid script, you made a backward C there, didn't you? A backward C, I came back, yeah, I went to complete and make the circle. Yeah. Oh, did you get all the way back down to Sarasota too? Or did oh, no, you no, I just came back to Pennsylvania. I started okay. in Pennsylvania. It took me 30 days to go down there and then make the circle. That's make what the I circle. thought. Yeah. So if you think about that in your mind, it's kind yeah. of a... And there was, there was times when uh, uh, a desert, there was one place, 170 miles, there's nothing. No internet, no phone service. It was just me and the Lord and the rig. And it kind of made the chills go up yet. But it was, you know, I think during the night I heard one car go by. Uh, it was the most wonderful uh, experience. Well, in May, uh, <coughs> Carrie and I, we've uh, made uh, six cross-country trips. Wonderful. And uh, in May, we were on the loneliest highway in America, uh, Route 50 mm -hmm. through Nevada. It was pretty lonely, I can tell you. So now, the reason I had the Operation Second Chance is, once again, a man, not one easily uh, diverted from his dream, you're going back again. I'm going back again. Thanks to Operation Second Chance, I'm just excited about them and their organization, they asked me if I could pair up with them and uh, that there'll be more uh, information to be brought out here in, probably in January. We're planning on leaving May the 10th from Walter Reed Hospital, hopefully, 
and heading to Gettysburg. Uh, there's a big event in Gettysburg, and then uh, we didn't really figure all our stops yet. Uh, it'll be, I know, Mount Rushmore, Red Lodge, Montana, Cheyenne, Wyoming, going down south into Texas, and we'll probably end up back in Sarasota, uh, Florida. But uh, their organizations, uh, a lot of veterans are uh, among the, the, the volunteers, and they're doing a, a wonderful job, and I'm just really excited to be able to work with them or for them. Well, that's great. So you're going back in 2019 mm -hmm. for your third trip. Now, as always, uh, as my guests discover, too, I tell mm -hmm. them, and you won't believe this hour, how fast this hour goes. Well, it's time for us to drop into part two, and we have a second guest, and we probably have about <coughs> 14 minutes. Maybe uh, maybe mm -hmm. if we start, since this is taping, maybe if we started at five after, we can go to five after. But that's up to the crew. they got to tell me about that. All right, so you've been on two trips, mm -hmm. and finally, uh, not surprisingly, you get to the point where you feel it's important to chronicle mm -hmm. those trips. Now, you wrote uh, a first book. Uh, do we have the, the first book called A Dream to Reality, the cover that we could show now? Uh, you wrote this first book, and you yeah. wrote it with your daughter. Tell us a little bit about this and, and your motivation and, and you know, uh, what, how you got to the point where you said, you know, I need to write a book about this. Well, I kept a blog every day, every detail. And so many people were asking me, well, what happened? You know, and, uh, um, you know, and I was glad I did because I would forget. And uh, so I had so many people ask, please write a book. And I just wanted to share my mission and hopefully it will help that one person. I say if it helps that one veteran, that one person, make, or just make that one person smile, it will have been worth it all. Okay, I'm going to go back to my slides now because I have an important slide I'd like to put up before we go into this. We can go back to the PowerPoint slides. All right, this is a contact information for Ivan and if you would like to help Across America for Wounded Heroes. Uh, his uh, email address is at top, cistolfus10 at gmail.com. And if you remember anything, just type in helpamericanheroes.com. I've also put the URL there, but I know it's kind of difficult to copy that. Just type in helpamericanheroes.com. That's going to take you to the website, and you can donate there. You can donate with a credit card on the website, or you can mail a check. And if you'll make that check out to Across America for Wounded Heroes Incorporated and send it care of C. Ivan Stolfus mm -hmm. at 740 Lammy Road, Honeybrook, PA, 19344. We're going to leave that up just a second. Now, the check should be made out to Across America for Wounded Heroes Incorporated. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. And I'll just uh, point on that. There'll be a, a new web page be coming up uh, where I'll be incorporating with uh, Operation Second Chance. Uh, we'll, so that'll be coming up. But at this point, this is the way uh, it stands right now. But uh, in the future, we'll have more details about the, the third trip. And Operation Second Chance will be in charge with, uh, of that. Okay. And that's why I put the Operation Second Chance uh, photo up because that's who Ivan will be coordinating with and will be helping him extensively on his third trip across the United States for Wounded Heroes, and that's beginning in April of 2019, is that correct? Uh, May the 10th. May the 10th of 2019. Okay, now I'm going to ask if we can, and I'm full of, I'm full of uh, asking, can we go to the photo of the current book, the book that is about to come out? All right, and the title of that uh, 
new book. It's not out yet, but it's coming out. It may be out by Christmas. It's called The Dream Continues. Uh, it is um, uh, part two of The Adventures of C. Ivan Stolfus, and uh, his editor and co-writer was our other guest, Carol Quaintance. Now, I want to suggest to you that I can't think of a better way to instill the spirit of giving and the real meaning of Christmas than to purchase this book. Whether it's out before Christmas or outright after Christmas, we're going to tell you how to do that, and we hope that you will uh, you will take advantage of that. It's a very, very inspiring story. And let me ask you, Ivan, are, are copies of the first book still available? Oh, yes. And they can, uh, they can email me or go in on the webpage and, uh, it, uh, to that address, 740 Lammy Road. So those two volumes would make great Christmas reading and I think put anybody in the Christmas spirit and help uh, elucidate the real meaning of Christmas. That's a dream to reality and the dream continues. Okay, that brings us to our second segment of this show in which we're going to talk about the book, A Dream Continues. Uh, the book was written uh, and co-written and edited by my guest on my left, Carol Quaintance. And... Uh, Carol, how did you and Ivan come to work together? Well, I actually um, wrote a, a story about Nicholas Stolzfus preserving the homestead that we have here in Berks County in 2004. And then in 2016, I was told by my editor she wanted me to cover a story about uh, Ivan going across America and I went and I listened to him speak at his church. And then I went to the actual send-off. And I followed him along on the web for the whole year until he came back. And then I got an email from him and asking if he could meet with me. So we met up and we had lunch. It wound up to be three hours of him telling his stories. And That's a long lunch. It was a great story. I mean, just telling his tales. And he's a very, very witty and funny guy. So... And I said, well, why did you want me to have lunch with you? And he said, I want you to help me write my book. And after hearing all those stories and realizing what a strong uh, faith he had, I knew I really wanted to do that. And interestingly enough, you had years before written a book about uh, Nicholas Stolfus, the first Stolfus, who Ivan is descended from, as well as I understand of the many, many clans of Stolfuses in this area. They're all descended from Nicholas Stolfus, is that correct? I actually, it was a, it was a story that I wrote for um, the Tri-County Record, and it was about the, the homestead, and yes, Nicholas Stolfus was the first, what was it? Uh, he was the Skyon, 1766. Yes, yes, 1766, he came from um, Germany to America for because of religious, religious persecution. persecution. Right. Uh, actually, uh, one branch of my family came from France in the 1830s. They were the latest uh, branch of the family. The Devers uh, came from France in the 1830s because of the persecution of the Huguenots there. Ivan, what was it that uh, what was it that you saw in Carol? Why, why was it that you invited her out to lunch with? Obviously, a, a, an ulterior motive in mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, she had written a couple uh, articles on my trip, and I really enjoyed uh, her writing her. She would be able to bring, bring things out uh, when I was across America, and, uh, and she helped me with some of the blogs on the, uh, as far as on the web 
uh, during that year, and I just really enjoyed her writing. Um, I, I, she, she just, the way she worded things, and she was able to bring the best out in me, I could say. And she's a very, I've discovered she's a very intuitive individual, and that, that helps a lot for a writer. Uh, Carol, you've been a freelance writer, you've worked in publication industry. Uh, tell our viewers a little bit about your background. I started out with the Yellow Pages and was trained uh, with Dun & Bradstreet Corporation in New York. And I was always trained to dig deep and find out the real reason and the real, the real throes of the business so you could bring that out. And then I, then I switched, I got my degree at Alvernia University in multimedia publications and communications. And from there, I got a job at the Mercury in Pottstown and started to write for the Tri-County Record. Well, and you, you, you expounded on this a little bit already, but I'll, I'll ask you maybe to elaborate a little bit more. So what was it that really, when Ivan mentioned this project to you, in your mind, what did you see? What was it that attracted you? You made you said, yeah, I really want to do that. Well, I really, really wanted to help the, the veterans. I really felt that this was a true calling and I just really could see this spark, this excitement and his conviction, this deep conviction that Ivan had to, to follow his heart and follow his dream. But more than that, I kept flashing back to the story of Nicholas Stolzfus and the reason that he came to, to avoid the religious persecution in, on the ship Polly. And then I'm seeing, well, here, here we have John Adelt, who is now the new Polly, and Ivan is, is, is helping the, that very freedom that he came to America to embrace for so that he was no longer persecuted. So in some way, to you, you drew the connection between the ship Polly that Nicholas Stolfus came over on in search of freedom and uh, John Abel. Yes. Uh, that as Ivan was voyaging across the United States, not only in actualization and realization of a dream, but in search of a personal freedom. Uh, you know, uh, you said that uh, you felt the day you decided to do this, you felt like a weight had been lifted be. off your shoulders. Yes. That's a freedom in and of itself, huh? Really. It was and a quest. It was a deep quest. Mm -hmm. and that's why he's a crusader. I, I, I liked uh, how Carl, um, she brought the I would say the best out of me, or maybe not always the best, but anyhow, she had a way, and I said to her one time, we'd be, be going, book, uh, going to some of my blogs, and, and I said, well, this is what I did that day. I was going up this mountain. I, haven't, I sensed something more there. So what were you thinking when I went up the mountain? Well, I don't know. I was thinking about it. I have to go back down. But uh, she would say, no, there's more to it. And she would bring more out of me that I didn't realize was, uh, that uh, I really uh, appreciated about her. So instead of it just being a travel log or, uh, yeah. you know, well, first we went to here and then yeah. we went to here and we saw so-and-so and this was fun to see this. So, you know, Carol was actually helping you elicit the deeper yeah. meanings and understandings. Of so I would tell me a little bit more about when you got the Mammoth Lake. Uh, you had a big mountain to climb. And a friend of mine was there, and I was there in uh, Benton, California, and I had another 60 miles to go down to Bishop to get up to Mammoth Lake. A friend called and he said, when will you be here? I said, probably two days. He said, uh, I'm going to Bishop and coming back up. He said, no, you don't. He said, uh, just come over the mountain. <laughs> and I said, he said, there's a back road. We used to go camping over there when the boys were young. And I said, yeah, but that mountain looks pretty big. He said, no, don't worry about it. You'll, you'll be all right. So the next morning, I start up through. 
and I realize I'm in trouble. I, there's no way to turn around. I'm going up through. It's got steeper and steeper. I finally put it in a, a fifth gear, and then it bogged down. I put it in fourth gear, and then my front end kept coming up. And I just finally just froze everything there. And I used to have some inspirational going up the hill. Coming down, I always I wanted everything to turn off just to concentrate on the noise and everything, and just because it breaking down through was rough. So I got up to the top, and I just got up to the top of the mountain. I finally put it in third gear. The front end stayed down, but it just kept kind of hopping. It took me about two hours to go up. I got up to the top of the mountain. I reached up to turn off the music. Just when I saw where it dropped off, the song came on. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. But anyhow, uh, I got back down. You thought you were willing to I, I thought, Lord, I said, no, Lord, just no, I'm not there yet. You know? <laughs> yeah. And there's many uh, art, things like this on in the book. Get the book, you'll get, you'll cry, you'll get excited, and uh, especially some of those steep, rocky mountains going down over in a thousand foot drops. And you put those old John Deere brakes on the front end once to go like this. And I really relied on on the uh, camper brakes going down over. But it, and I'd be sliding in front of the seats uh, that steep. I would be sliding forward. But uh, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'd go down over at a mountain, and, and you know, I just uh, pray, and, and and all was well. Well, it reminds me of two uh, things personally in my life. One is on that same trip when we got off the loneliest road in America, Highway 50 oh. across Nevada. Uh, I'm famous for back roads and taking shortcuts. Mm -hmm. And when I say shortcuts, then my wife always kind of rolls her eyes and, uh, and grimaces a little bit. She likes to get where she's going. I like to take the shortcuts. So when we were headed over the Sierra Nevadas to go visit our friend Daniel West, who's also in the auction industry and uh, an auctioneer, uh, uh, I decided we were going to take Route 2 instead of just going the interstate straight into uh, Sacramento where he lives. Uh, Route 2 was quite an experience going over the Sierra Nevadas. Oh, we, yeah. we found those thousand mile drops. We found those blind curves where, there were the, where it was just wide enough for two cars to get by. And so I can imagine taking a 1948 John Deere and an RV over those. And then the second thing is I've always been a fan of uh, of American folk music and many many years ago I was at a record shop and I picked up uh, an album by the Mississippi Sheiks, the new Mississippi Sheiks. The new Mississippi Sheiks were a, a, a group of uh, black musicians from the 1960s, 70s, 80s and 90s and they were called the new Mississippi Sheiks because the original Mississippi Sheiks were from the 1910s, 20s and 30s. So there was one living member, he was 103 and on the back of the album uh, he was quoted as saying the following uh, I don't mind serving in the Lord's army. Mm -hmm. I'm referring to when he died. I don't mind serving in the Lord's army. I'm just not going to volunteer. So I guess that's maybe kind of the way you felt going over that gap, right? Yeah, and coming down over the mountains, a lot of times I would quote this. I did this so many times where it was steep, and I was kind of sweating, and my palms were sweaty. I, I quit uh, quoting Psalm 23, Yea, though I put down this mountain pass, I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff will comfort me. Yes, and, and, and my, uh, my, my breaks. Yeah. All right. Okay, so as always, we're running shorter of time than we might have uh, thought, so we're going to move ahead a little bit. Uh, for both of you, I'm going to ask you, uh, Carol, I'm going to start with you. Uh, in writing this book, what are your hopes that this book might help do, or what are your thoughts and visions? You know, a book's almost like a child, right? Right. You know, what are, what are your visions? My what? vision is that people will purchase the book, that they will read the book and become inspired to get involved in helping the, our veterans, our police officers, our first responders across this nation. 
and that they will pick up that same cause and either donate. But just also, it's a very entertaining book. It's, he is extremely funny, and the characters that are in the book, the, his crew of characters, I gave voice to them, gave life to them, and I think people really enjoy it. Ivan, quickly, we're down to three minutes. Uh, what, what would you like to see come out of the book? I hope you continue bringing awareness for our veterans. Uh, it's not about me. I'm just steering that. I would say I'm God's vessel. I'll let him flow through me. I just wanted to bring awareness for our veterans, our first responders, police and firemen, and that people will continue to help those that are willing to give so much so that we can be free. Thank you so much. And let's go to my PowerPoint slide because I'd like to give you contact information on the book. Remember, the book is not out yet. It's coming out infinitely. Mm -hmm. uh, infinitely. Yes, probably is going to be infinitely, too. I think by the time you read it, you'll want to keep reading and reading and reading more. But it's coming out imminently, is what I meant to say. Uh, for contact information for the book, you can contact Carol Quaintance by just reversing her name, quaintancecarol at gmail.com. Uh, and you can also write Hummingbird Hill. C. Ivan Stolfus, 1375 Pershing Boulevard, Reading, PA, 19607, and you can make checks payable to C. Ivan Stolfus. I'm going to leave that slide up there for just a second. Ivan, I have one last question to ask you. Uh, inquiring minds want to know, and I have wondered this ever since I've known you. What does the C stand for? It's Christian Ivan Stolfus. And my parents always called me Ivan, but then I had more than one Ivan on my route, so we had to start using the C, Ivan Stolsvies. Okay, well, interestingly enough, I think that's a wonderful segue. Christian Ivan Stolfus, mm -hmm. C. Ivan Stolfus, and his uh, fellow, uh, his compatriot and uh, co-writer, Carol Quaintance, have been here to help us learn about the spirit of Christmas. And I hope you'll remember to pick up the book, and I hope you will remember to support the organization. At this point, talking about support, I'd like to thank you all for your support of all that stuff and auction action on BCTV. But most of all, as always, in this time of loving and giving and family and community, I'd like to thank you for your support of Burke's Community Television. Burke's Community Television is the only television station that brings you the shows about the places you love and the issues you care about by the people you know. Burke's Community Television, Burke's County's voice to the world. Thanks for your support. Have a wonderful, happy holiday season. And we'll see you next year. All that stuff on BCTV is supported by the Renaissance Auction Group.